Welcome to the 5G Techvitory podcast, where we will explore the hottest topics in 5G with some of the industry's leading minds. Thank you, colleagues. Um, well, first of all, the International Telecommunication Union is uh, pleased to open this uh, discussion. At, our, at uh, ITU, our mission remains uh, unchanged. We want to connect the unconnected, we want to bridge the digital divide, and we want to leave uh, no one uh, offline. We want to make sure that uh, information and communication technologies are universally accessible, equitable, meaningful, and they are also affordable. But not only for the eight billion people, but also more specifically to the nearly one billion people with disabilities. <clears throat> As the UN uh, specialized agencies for uh, ICTs, uh, ITU has anchored its um, working agenda under the framework of the UN uh, Convention on the Rights uh, of uh, Persons with Disabilities. And we work around uh, three pillars. We, first of all, uh, raise awareness about the uh, the challenges of uh, uh, persons with disabilities in accessing ICTs. Uh, we, uh, in addition, uh, streamline ICT standards, international standards, and we put the focus on, on accessibility. And third, we provide specialized uh, education and training, focusing on the challenges and the solutions around the topic of digital accessibility. Maybe some of you know, but uh, the ITU is divided in uh, three sectors. We have the radio, standards, and the development sector. And already within the development sector of ITU, we have in 2018 made clear that inclusiveness should be one of our five core goals of our working agenda. ITU has a working agenda that we call ITU Connect 2030 that aims to bridge the digital divide by ensuring that accessibility is really implemented whenever we um, realize ICT ecosystems. And we did so even more last year in Kigali in Rwanda during the most important telecommunication development conference for our union. We reached consensus and we agreed that to uh, ICTs are vital tools to achieve social inclusions. And this is ex exactly what we do at the development sector. We provide uh, capacity building, policy advice, raising awareness. We do that at the national level, at the regional level, and we do that also at the global level. Now we are here at uh, 5G territory in uh, the Europe region, and this is exactly what we also do at the European level. Within the development sector of ITU, the ITU Office for Europe focuses also its work on accessibility, on digital accessibility. The Regional Office for Europe uh, works around the regional agenda, of course, and uh, among the different regional initiatives that we have, we have Regional Initiative 3, which is digital inclusion and skills development. And specifically, we align our work with real world conditions. And we did, that, we did that by carrying out an ICT accessibility assessment across the Europe region. What we did is that 
we assessed the ICT accessibility laws, regulations, and uh, directives uh, and strategies in general terms uh, that the European countries are putting in place. Our region, the IT Office for Europe, works directly with uh, 46 uh, member states of uh, what we call the ITU Europe region. We work with the governments, but of course also with the partner organizations to make sure that at the European level accessibility is taken into account uh, when it comes uh, to digital transformation. Trying to summarize, because you know, it's, uh, we have only 10 minutes, uh, trying to summarize the findings of this uh, ICT accessibility assessment carried out across the region, the findings are mixed. It is, of course, indeed uh, true that uh, European countries, both from the European Union and also beyond, are committed to implementing ICT accessibility uh, policies and strategies uh, at the national level. However, the degree of implementation remains you know, to be improved. Maybe diving into more details of this ICT access, uh, accessibility assessment, what we can say is that uh, 41, 44 out of 46 countries of our IT region have already ratified the UN Convention on the Rights of Persons with Disability. This is a very good first step. On the other hand, however, as I mentioned before, the degree of implementation is varying. And the challenges that we see here is that uh, in some countries there is a, uh, work that is done in uh, enacting, for instance, the EU uh, Web Accessibility Directive. But on the other hand, in other countries there are still uh, challenges when it comes to implement accessibility uh, in, uh, in the uh, Web ICT public services. So, we see that uh, the Europe region, uh, when it comes uh, to comparison with other regions of the world, is of course uh, doing uh, positively, positively well. But of course there is also always room for, uh, for improvement. I would like maybe now to focus on uh, an opportunity where European member states can come together and actually discuss the specific topic of accessibility. And that is our flagship uh, event at uh, IT Office for Europe. We uh, deliver every year, and this is uh, its fifth year, that we are going to deliver Accessible Europe. This is our unique uh, gathering point uh, where we try to bring together all various stakeholders in the Europe region, from civil society to academia to member states, governments, industry leaders, that are specifically working in uh, digital accessibility and inclusion. This year, and we kindly invite you to join and to register, is going to take place in Madrid, in Spain, on the 13th and 14th of December. It is, of course, jointly co-organized by ITU and the European Commission, and it is also uh, supported by the government of Spain, uh, especially during uh, the presidency, the Spanish uh, Presidency Council of the EU Council. So we warmly invite you to join, uh, to join us in, in December. During this conference, we will uh, take the opportunity to really dive into the challenges and the problems that uh, are there when it comes to digital accessibility, from the early stages of uh, design and implementation to the, the process of uh, decision-making and the involvement of the various stakeholders, uh, finally even to the implementation of uh, financial schemes uh, that are necessary to actually implement accessibility uh, changes uh, uh, in, um, within the systems. 
So again, we welcome you to, to join there, and we look forward to, to having you uh, there. I take this opportunity, uh, going towards my, my conclusion, to uh, take a moment uh, to reflect on the fact that 5G territory and Accessibility Europe are exactly those uh, collective moments where we can come together and really try to push the, uh, the agenda forward. And we can only do that if we really have all stakeholders, uh, stakeholders involved, uh, from governments to the private sector and to the civil society. So this is a very good opportunity and we thank 5G Secretary for having us here today and also having us discuss the important subject of accessibility. I conclude, colleagues, by saying that, you know, in the Europe region, again, once more, a lot has been done, so this is very good for us, but there is still work that should be carried out. And uh, more specifically, it is important that we always keep in mind the transformative role that uh, ICTs have in our lives, which is something that uh, you know, now we, we take for granted. ICTs should always remain a means. They should serve a purpose. Our kids are uh, learning and growing with the use of, uh, of ICTs. Our uh, professional career cannot uh, uh, be considered without the ICTs. Elderly people uh, avoid uh, social isolation thanks to the use of ICTs, uh, remaining in contact with uh, friends and families. But it is important that we maintain uh, a distance uh, when it comes to uh, the use of ICTs. They should always serve a purpose and should always remain a means. They should be a benefit for us. They should be a benefit for the 8 billion people but they should be even more important, so truly meaningful for those nearly one billion people that have disabilities. Thank you very much. Thank you. Mr. Solmina? Yes, sure. Uh, there are some uh, questions straight away we could uh, talk about, and um, we will. That's why we'd like to ask uh, our um, panelists, experts in accessibility, policy, and technology, um, to see what is most important topics and issues right now and how we can solve them using the means we're talking here today. So please welcome independent consultant, researcher, accessibility EU and national expert, representing also NGO Aperons, Diana Pudinia. Diana. Oh yes, we need your support with a round of applause. It's a hard place to be on a stage. For this, thank you. Then a research fellow at Nordregio Research Institute, Sigrid Jessen. Thank you. And as you can see, we have three chairs. There is a moderator, board member at Riga Tech Girls, Lina Marta Sarma. Lina Marta. And good luck. By the way, please ask questions on the platform. You can go to the platform. Uh, even if you're here, please use your mobile phones. Go to the platform and ask questions. You can stay anonymous, if you will, uh, or sign your question. And if there will be time after the discussion, we will also ask those questions to the panel. Good luck. Let's go. OK, thank you. Um, hello, everyone. I'll share a bit about myself and uh, what is this organization, Rigitech Girls, that I'm uh, representing uh, before we move into the discussion. So at Rigitech Girls, uh, for the um, last 
uh, already seven, eight years since 2015. We've focused on education and providing opportunities for everyone to become a part of the ICT sector. So trying to support um, and create different kinds of education programs, networking events that would encourage those people, uh, in our uh, occasion specifically women, to be a part of it and to think about and consider pursuing careers in IT. And uh, throughout these uh, last uh, years, uh, we've created various um, large-scale programs, and um, including uh, some of these that you might have heard of, which is um, uh, Discover Tech, mentorship programs, Working Tech, and so on. Each of these aims to, as I mentioned before, include more women and support more women uh, into pursuing careers in IT and also getting to know uh, the world of IT and considering it as also a world that they belong in, which has uh, a problem that we've noticed in our region fairly quite a lot, uh, that most women do not think of technology and science as a field that they should pursue. And the reason is nothing related to their skills. It's purely as they have never e either known anyone or never been, they have never been kind of suggested or supported in pursuing any um, fields in technology or science, um, or they've never been encouraged into this field. So once they go into these programs, start getting to know this field, they uh, very often do pursue careers in them. Throughout these years, uh, we've um, on focusing on women and we can call it gender exclusion uh, in the world of IT. We've come to the conclusion that we also should focus on not only um, gender, specific genders that are being excluded in uh, technology, but also other types of exclusion and uh, this time talking about disabilities. Um, our experience so far has been that throughout the last year, we've aimed to focus more on digital accessibility and um, aimed to focus on our programs and provide opportunity for those who are uh, visually uh, or have uh, visually impaired or have speech impairments to have an opportunity to go through also our programs and the programs that provides such people an opportunity to get to know the field of technology, the world of ICT, and consider careers in them. So today, we're here to talk more about this. Uh, our experience has been uh, very uh, little in this field and only has happened due to the support that we've had as Rigatech Girls Organization from the Ministry of Welfare, that they have supported us in pursuing this opportunity to provide uh, our programs to uh, people who have such impairments. Uh, but it's a tough challenge uh, overall. And without any such support, without any knowledge that there are people like this out there that have this opportunity, um, we wouldn't be able to move forward. We wouldn't be able to provide such programs and skills for them. So today we're here to talk about uh, digital accessibility and also digital inclusion, considering that both of them are very closely intertwined and very often we do uh, connect ourselves and understand what is digital inclusion and us as an organization as well. We work quite a lot with digital inclusion, but we're, as a society, we know that it's the best for us to move towards considering everyone who is um, excluded. <coughs> so um, I'll start with the first question that I'll ask to, uh, I think, mostly to Sigrid, but Dinah, you can uh, definitely jump in. So what really is digital accessibility and how does it relate to digital inclusion? Thank you very much. 
Um, I would like to start to say just thank you very much for inviting me. I've been looking very much forward to coming here today and participating in a very important discussion. Um, my name is Celia Jessen. I am a research fellow at the Norwegian Research Institute in Stockholm, and I'm the project manager of uh, Digital Inclusion in Action, um, which is a research project uh, where we are focusing on digital uh, inclusion in the context of the Nordic and Baltic countries. Uh, and what is being done in order to combat this uh, digital exclusion that we are seeing. Uh, to answer your question, in, <laughs> in our project uh, we are focusing on digital inclusion, which I also agree with you, it's very linked with digital accessibility. I would define it personally as being um, two, two aspects that's going hand in hand, where digital accessibility is a a mean to achieve digital inclusion. Uh, in general, we see that digital accessibility is, a, uh, is often more focused on, on the, uh, the aspects of uh, ensuring that web content and tools overall and society in general is accessible for, for its users uh, and focusing a lot of people with disabilities. However, um, while digital inclusion is also incorporating digital accessibility, it's moving beyond this. So it's also focusing on the skills and we're focusing on the uh, uh, capability aspect of, um, of digital uh, accessibility and use of uh, digital tools. Um, and also in terms of user groups, it's moving on beyond only looking at the very important and crucial group of people with disabilities, but also looking at different people with uh, uh, different socioeconomic backgrounds, uh, people of different ages, people of different genders, and etc. And this go on. Um. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Sigrid. And then um, the follow-up follow question to Dinah, uh, knowing her experience, uh, can you elaborate on who are uh, the people uh, who are uh, those groups of people who are being excluded in this scenario, and more relation in to digital accessibility? Okay, thank you for this possibility to participate uh, in this forum. And once again, I, I should say that those people who are mostly excluded from using different kinds of digital uh, products are those who face some kind of uh, physical, sign, hearing, cognitive impairments. And quite often we forget also one additional group, it's uh, seniors. Uh, people who don't know from the very beginning, from the school ages, what, what are digital products, what are uh, websites, what are internet and such things. So those people are mostly excluded. And they need uh, quite often uh, support from uh, not only those who produce these products, but also from surrounding societies for those persons who, who let's say, uh, state and uh, governmental institutions uh, who uh, use these uh, new solutions and they work. Mm -hmm. You also mentioned uh, before to me that there's, um, we often think about disabilities in the sense of physical disabilities, but there's also a completely different uh, group as well. Yeah, it's, uh, it's probably one of the big mistakes, how mm -hmm. society recognized persons with disabilities. It's uh, very simple, it's wheelchair users. Yes, and uh, what kind of uh, solutions we can propose to them? 
Not at all, many. So the wheelchairs and uh, it's like a technical aid which uh, supports those persons to be involved in society. But those who have uh, other physical impairments like weak hands or without uh, any uh, mobility of hands, for example, or those who have um, who are blind or with very heavy uh, sign problems and mm -hmm. they don't uh, see the screens where it's uh, written, please touch the, the right place and you will be ordered to, some car, to receive some kind of services. Uh, persons with, uh, who are deaf or uh, with hearing impairments and also those who have cognitive uh, impairments, it means that uh, those persons who need information in a very simple way with uh, very um, straight directions what, what kind of, what kind of um, button they must push just to, to be ordered to the right place. So uh, it's very important now to understand those very uh, large group of persons mm -hmm. who need additional information uh, called accessible digital accessibility. Can I add something yeah, to yeah, this? Yeah, definitely. Uh, something that we also, I'm completely agreeing with you, Diana, but uh, something that we also uh, adding in the project is, uh, I was trying to argue at least, is that there's also a necessity to, to view this, as you also say, that uh, digital inclusion and digital accessibility uh, is not necessarily only targeting very specific groups in society, but it is multidimensional and it's something that's also context-specific. So meaning that... Uh, mm -hmm that you're not necessarily at risk just, you know, just because that you are um, an older adult, but you could, uh, you might be more at risk of digital uh, exclusion if you are a rural, uh, less affluent, uh, older adult living, um, compared to those uh, older adults living in metropolitan regions and have a higher educational, uh, educational backgrounds. Uh, and the context of being that is context-specific is also necessary mm -hmm. to, to incorporate that it's very specific cases where people are actually getting um, at risk of digital exclusion. So it is a completely difficult, it's a very complex uh, field to, to maneuver in. Um, yeah. yeah, it also means that we can kind of sometimes make some assumptions from the research. I think uh, you, mm. I've known uh, uh, your research has done uh, as well as that based on the background, based on the context, you sometimes can make also assumptions and preventative measures in the future mm. um, for certain groups. Um, the following question, uh, I would invite both of you maybe to share, share uh, which one wants to go first. So why does it really matter? Why does digital accessibility matter? And why should um, maybe the people who are here, if in any case they're running a company, which is an ICT company, uh, or they're um, a part of any ministry, why should they care about digital accessibility? How does uh, it matter to them apart from doing a good job? <laughs> I think it uh, matters to very different issues. First of all, it's a question of rights, of human rights. Mm. Yes, to, to use all kinds of digital, digital products as everyone else. Um, the second, it's also a, a business question, because if you enlarge the possible end users of your produced product, uh, you can make your business better. It's also the social uh, dimension 
because uh, then persons who use those uh, digital solutions or products are the feel themselves more, more strong and more involved in uh, society. So I can name uh, a lot of such issues which are very important for not only for them who produced and who plan to produce, who develop those digital solutions, uh, but uh, also from whole society together. I completely agree, <laughs> but uh, I can maybe just add to say that I think as a society, uh, if we care about social inclusion, we should also care about digital inclusion. Um, and this is, among other things, I would argue, especially important in highly digitalized countries as the Nordic countries and the Baltic countries, uh, where sometimes um, there might be a tendency to forget that this is very important because we are as digitalized societies as we are. Um, I would say that it's very important, uh, especially in the highly digitalized uh, societies, because that when we are in, like, as we are getting more and more digitalized, it requires more uh, of a digitalized mm -hmm. uh, presence in order to yeah. participate, meaning also that the potential digital exclusion will be even more painful for those being uh, digitalized, uh, digitally excluded um, compared to other countries. So I would say it's crucial. crucial. Exactly, yeah. of course. Uh, as we now have most of the tools, most of the daily necessary tools that we have regarding digital banking or logging into our systems, everything is digitalized. So. Uh, I completely agree with that, that um, it's increasingly more important that we make sure that everyone gets access to it and everyone has a solution to get access to it uh, so that there, we don't create a bigger and bigger gap without not noticing some things in, in the start. And it's, I think, a very kind of a, a slippery slope to get to a, a very big gap in between uh, mm. these people and the groups of people uh, that we, we can get in there. Yeah, I also wanted to mention that from... Um, that as uh, I think Eileen also uh, said that ICT can help solve various problems and that is something that we've thought as well that um, we focused on women um, realize focused on women providing their programs providing kind of support for them to get into IT programs get into just generally into IT and in the job market of IT one of the reasons was that we noticed that they're interested and they just haven't had the opportunity, but mm. also that we noticed that we're fairly small, <laughs> dense countries, uh, and we're missing a workforce, mm. that, uh, and that workforce that is missing, there's various groups of people who would like to be in this, for example, IT workforce, but they don't have that opportunity. So they're doing low-skilled jobs whilst they would like to improve their mm -hmm. lives upon. And I think this is one of those scenarios where it's not only about gender, but it's also about digital accessibility, that those technologies can significantly improve a person's life, but also not only improve a daily life, but provide a uh, high quality life and a career. And we're missing those people because we're only focusing on teaching and suggesting to pursue uh, science and technology for a specific amount uh, of people, specific groups. We're not uh, providing those who are missing there and then going out and saying, but we're missing the IT people. But there's quite a lot who would potentially want to be in there. And I think that's also an argument that would, um, uh, be, should be considered more and more often, that we're missing on a significant amount of people who 
would potentially be a very um, high-skilled and, and good quality workforce that they would also love doing it. Mm. And obviously, that is saying that not, it's not for everyone. Uh, we're not pushing everyone, <laughs> everyone to pursue uh, careers in this field, but that's something that we consider and that's something that we uh, stumble upon once in a while when we talk to um, people in our programs as well. Uh, but that's just yeah, a comment from my, my side. Um, Continuing on to this, so could you maybe share on, um, I think this is also slightly more of a question to Dinah, knowing her experience in the field and knowing that she knows the pain points. So what's the current situation around digital accessibility and what would you say would be uh, the key struggles or the pain points that um, you notice on a daily life with groups of people? Um, that yeah. could be solved potentially <laughs> in an easier way. <laughs> I should say that it's a very difficult question because how to say so not uh, making a very critical point. <laughs> I should say that accessibility um, maybe in Latvia is not on the very high rate. <laughs> it means that a lot of people who, who uh, have disabilities, they are excluded to use uh, digital products, digital solutions and so on. And uh, um, you mentioned also these problems of uh, uh, lack of knowledge, how to use it. Um, also, uh, uh, those, uh, those um, uh, hardwares which are needed for persons to use. Um, a lot of problems in Latvia are not uh, looking as um, in, in our digital transformation guidelines to from 2021 to 21, 2027. 27, there are a yeah. lot of actions mentioned in a, a strategical planning document, but in reality, those um, measures or activities which are planned, they don't see and they don't look to the end uh, user's needs. Um, it's, um, it's very sad to say uh, but quite often persons uh, with um, disabilities who try to use some um, new, let's say, uh, internet banks uh, pages, uh, for example, or um, trying to use uh, digital documents pro uh, produced from, uh, by, by state and institution, uh, go local government institutions, if they find and face some difficulties, they stop to use it at all. And the first things what they are trying to do is uh, going somewhere and ask uh, for support. And then it's a question uh, where they can get this support. Of course, we have in Latvia this uh, uh, one-stop uh, shops where uh, persons can access to, to services provided uh, from state and municipal institutions. But then we must look to the uh, infrastructure, how these mm -hmm. persons can get to these uh, one-stop shops. Additional thing is also, which comes uh, in hand-to-hand -hand with digital accessibility, is environmental accessibility. If they, these uh, client service centers are, are uh, situated on the second floor without a lift, then person <laughs> also as we recognized in, as wheelchair user, uh, he will not attend these uh, this, uh, service centers. So uh, problems are many and pain points are a lot of. 
And one of um, about which I would like to talk more is that, uh, of course, we, ca we are speaking about uh, end user involvement. Yes, to know their needs and, and start to produce products, uh, thinking about uh, that. But uh, quite often we are not doing that thing. We probably we produce some kind of product and then start to test and find out that there are some problems for persons with uh, sign or hearing impairments or persons with uh, cognitive impairments. And, and they take a lot of uh, financial and uh, time resources just now to solve again and mm -hmm. make these products more accessible. So uh, the first... Uh, step which should be done before we plan or we before we start to develop something new we must uh, look to the end users needs and the, uh, looking from the digital accessibility point of view <laughs> include in everyone also persons with different kind of impairments okay yeah yeah of course i think uh, it's definitely true that the end user should be the first one that you talk to, but I think that I wanted to add is that um, we hear these strategies and these uh, kind of uh, strategies and policies that um, are brought forward, but one thing is the strategy and policy that is definitely necessary uh, because that's what we're fighting for. But the next step, was a bigger, which is a bigger challenge, doesn't apply to this, is the implementation, as you're saying. That one thing is suggesting this, but implementing it, even if we're asking every organization or every program trying to implement this, it creates various pro problems. So it's not enough to do a strategy and a policy around this. It's, uh, there needs to be some action on implementation or some kind of like, I would suggest first steps on how, let's say, every this kind of program does have a, let's start with a translation <laughs> or a sign language interpreter, or let's start with some steps that should be implemented and moving it forward from there. And that's a thing I think that I've noticed that even, the, even if the suggestions and the strategy is there, the no one's uh, required to really implement it unless you're kind of up for it and willing uh, to, to, um, to see a benefit for the audience and so on. So I think that, that is also a key problem in there. Um, uh, but definitely, and talking to end users would be a first one, I would definitely suggest. Can I just uh, quickly yeah, add this? Sure, sure. Also just because right now in, the, in our project Digital Inclusion in Action, we're also finalizing a policy report uh, where I also agree that uh, there's many, many issues. Uh, but just to add a bit of positivity, <laughs> uh, we can see in uh, just the last two years that close to 20 new uh, policy documents and strategies have been developed just focusing on digital uh, inclusion in the region uh, yeah, okay. across the Nordic and Baltic countries. Uh, and also that we are seeing these signs of uh, some countries are doing it very well and some countries are beginning to, uh, to do it more. But this systematic uh, engagement of uh, civic society actors and NGOs is beginning to be something uh, and I know that some countries have been doing, been doing it for the last eight years or something like that, but, uh, but it's beginning to be something that is actually incorporated more systematically. Uh, and there's still a long way to go, uh, because it is a very complex and difficult question. But some small steps are, are taking in that direction, at least from our point of view. Um, yeah, yeah, it's, it's good to hear, it's good to hear. Small steps are definitely <laughs> starting. <laughs> 
following up actually on this and, and the policies. So um, I wanted to ask what, in your opinions, are the key stakeholders who are responsible about implementing such things? Is it that nothing is going to happen without the government policies and the local authorities initiating it? Or considering that more and more so uh, non-governmental organizations and various also disability organizations play a very important role um, in improving um, technology, technology opportunities in general, are they responsible for it? Or is it the IT companies who are actually creating these products that are not accessible? Is it their responsibility overall? So who's responsible? But I think it's a, um, it's a very open and broad question, I know. I will start. Uh, I should say that everyone, uh, IT companies, uh, state and municipal institutions, every citizen, because it's a very um, general question who is responsible for accessibility. Um, uh, I should, if I look a little bit back, I should say that uh, dig, digital field is one of those where accessibility issues were raised from the very beginning. And again, I will be maybe very negative. Uh, although uh, there are a lot of standards how to implement this accessibility, nothing has happened. Or happened maybe not as at that level what it should be. Yeah. And then, uh, then we face these problems that, uh, uh, like, like also in uh, legislation and, uh, and the policy planning documents, that there is very clever said what we should do and what actions will be done and so so on, but when we come to implementation into reality, mm -hmm. then, then we find out that there is a very uh, large gap between the, our um, future vision and reality which comes afterwards. Mm -hmm. And this reality, I must say, it's, it's not very satisfied. The reality is that uh, we lag behind a lot of people and they, uh, they are dropped out of this um, society, which we call the informative society, new generation society. Yeah. And uh, I should say that it's, um, it's very important that uh, digital field is developing and, and new innovations are coming into our daily lives uh, every day. Uh, but this accessibility uh, plays back for two, three, maybe more steps. And uh, the, one of the issues which should be uh, raised up, uh, how to support the accessibility features to be included in the very first uh, st steps of uh, producing new, new digital products, uh, solutions, and if they will come together. Okay. Uh Final question, actually, <laughs> to both of you, and uh, I would suggest try to keep it short. So, what can we expect in the future, and maybe what should we wor should work on more regarding digital accessibility in the future? What should be we pay attention to? I would say, like, there's different aspects, but one of the main aspects is that we um, we can see right now that's a very that there's huge differences in how we monitor and measure both digital accessibility, mm -hmm. but also digital inclusion, which is also making it both difficult to, to make a harmonized approach, uh, but it's also something that's uh, making weaker policies uh, overall. But I can, we can also see that's beginning to be some more acknowledgement that this is something we need to pay more attention to mm -hmm. in the Nordic and Baltic regions. 
And then secondly, I would say that we can also, as I said before, see that this, uh, the engagement of civil society actors uh, is beginning to be more systematic, and I hope that, uh, that also uh, will allow for more uh, focus on the end user uh, and overall uh, better policies that are better informed, but also uh, better implemented in real life. Exactly. Thanks. Diane. I will be very short. There are a lot of instruments just now available uh, how, to uh, how to monitor and uh, how to make uh, digital uh, products more accessible. Mm -hmm. Just start to use them in, in all fields, in business field, in, in public field, also, also for uh, end users. Just start to use those which are accessible just now. Thank you. Um, I also wanted to add that um, I would hope that in the future there's more IT companies like the same as ITU. Um, it's a great example that focus, see the benefit of and focus more on digital accessibility uh, for everyone and see kind of like an overall benefit for it and working on it in the future. Uh, I know that we're running out of time, and uh, Valdis is angrily standing there. <laughs> no, no, just, um, yes. just pretending. But I yeah. just wanted to see the poll results. <laughs> yes, I would also love to see the poll results. Um, yeah, by, by the way, yes, very briefly, uh, your uh, answers. If there, there, there was three options. Which actions do you believe will be most effective? to enhance digital accessibility and promote equal access for all. So it was implementing clear accessibility guidelines and standards. Someone should say that. Then uh, conducting regular accessibility audits. Everyone should test it. Or there should be um, raising awareness about uh, digital uh, accessibility among all stakeholders. So someone would press it because we need it. Which one would you pick, please? But then I will tell the answers from the audience. I can do the first one. I would do the testing. As I was mentioning, I think there's uh, quite a lot of strategy, but the lack of implementation and auditing such implementation is a key. Mm. I right. agree. I also uh, acknowledge that the uh, creation awareness is crucial uh, throughout the countries, but uh, I would also say that monitoring and measuring is, uh, is crucial. All right. I will point all three. <laughs> <laughs> So, very agreeable panel. <laughs> so, yes, there's, I would say, first and third was uh, more popular, more or less the same, but conducting regular accessibility audits were not too popular. So, that's the result. <laughs> so, please, don't judge people, let's encourage people, and let's get together, because there's so many stakeholders. Also, not only seniors, as Dan said, but also those who are not maybe so so well with technologies, we also need some help. Even I can feel sometimes that I'm somehow lacking behind. So thank you all. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.